Praise the Lord. We thank the Lord for this evening. Shall we lift up our hands as we pray? Just before we take our seat, I want you to spend about three minutes and speak in the language of the Spirit right now. Spend about three minutes and speak in the language of the Spirit right now. Be a cat or parabigoda. Rabba bigi don't corobo go to cobarabas. Bretecate breki poto pacata. Livala shapala bateso. Kitolo boko si pala bacata. Repala bacata. Repala bacasha. Repala bacasha talabaya. Repala bacasha talabaya. Repala bacasha Go higher and higher, two minutes more, go higher, go higher and higher. Ima la ma ka, 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 ima la
manifest your glory as we begin this holy encounter in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Have your word among us and let your will be established. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Shall we put our hands together for Jesus? Please, you may take your seat. Thank you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. We want to thank the Lord so much for this evening. Personally, I thank him so much for the grace he has given me to be here with you tonight and to share the word of God with you. I do not take our fellowship, the opportunity to fellowship with you this evening and to bring you the word of God for, for granted. I don't take it for granted at all. And I want to thank the Lord for making it possible for me to be here this very evening. Hallelujah. And um, I want to thank the Lord for our dear pastor and also my big brother in the Lord. I want to thank him so much in the person of Pastor Prince. Let's put him together for the man of God. Oh, let's do it better for our man of God. I want to thank him so much because the Lord had used him to give me this opportunity to bring you God's word. Um, I was here some time back and it was a blessing. It was the same vessel that the Lord used to be a blessing unto us all. And I want to thank him so much. Um, when he was around, we learned a lot of things from him. And uh, in the <coughs> especially uh, when we were in the youth ministry, so much we, we gleaned from his life and so much we gleaned, so much inspiration we received from him. And I want to thank the Lord for uh, men like that that paved the way for some of us to be able to do the things we do now. We were greatly encouraged by some of them. He has other, other comrades. We were greatly encouraged by some of them. It was actually one of them that got me to do youth quizzes. Uh, I almost did for all the youth quizzes in my in my district, and I was encouraged by one of them. And I thank the Lord so much for being an encouragement and a source of inspiration to us all. Let's appreciate our man of God one more time. And uh, I can also see our dear woman of God. I just sat next to her. Uh, I learned she's the senior associate, if I'm not mistaken. Wow, mommy, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Well, let's put them together for our mommy. Mommy, thank you so much for being with the youth ministry this evening as we go through um, the, the greetings and the course of the week. God bless you so much. Amen. All right, so we're dealing with be ye holy. Tell somebody, be ye holy. Tell somebody, be ye holy. All right. Now, um, we're going to have to learn a lot of things when um, maybe we can, we can do some more Friday night. Uh, I want us to learn so many things that maybe we can do some more Friday night. But today and tomorrow will be purely a teaching service. And so, it's a language of it. Yeah. Today and tomorrow will be purely a teaching service. So, I want all of us to open our hearts and receive the word of God. As I travel around ministering God's word, one of the things I emphasize is that the people of God or the children of God must see the, ch the church system as a divine school. The church system is a school. It's God's technology to educate the believer. The church system is God's technology to educate the believer. So when we come to, ch to church, it's not just a routine. Uh, we are not just coming, worship is good. Praises is good, dancing is good, all of those things are very good, but we are not just coming to dance and have a nice time and go. We have come to fellowship with God and also to receive from his spirit. That is how we grow. To receive from his spirit, that is how we grow. And so after we are born again, God puts us in a family. The Bible says 
He sets the solitary in family. So after you're being born again or after your conversion, the Lord brings you into a home, a home church, and plants you in a family. And you are supposed to learn the word of God and grow. Because actually, the New Testament has been given to us as an apostolic curriculum. The same way you go to school and you learn the curriculum, the New Testament has been given to us as an apostolic curriculum. What I mean by that is that the apostles of Jesus Christ that wrote the letters of the New Testament for us, they wrote it with the mindset that you will read and learn. They wrote it with the mindset that you will read and learn. And so when you pick your Bible to read, you have picked uh, an educative material that is able to open your mind and help you grow spiritually in your walk with God. Hallelujah. And knowledge is very powerful. There are so many things um, uh, many Christians are ignorant about, if uh, are ignorant about, but the only thing they will have to do is to open their Bibles and find the truth in their Bibles. So we can see deception on the ascendancy in our days. It is because people are not reading. People are not reading. So people are only saying, my pastor said. But when you ask him, he doesn't understand. It is good and great for your pastor to say. But after your pastor has said to you, you are supposed to ask intelligent questions if you didn't understand. You are supposed to probe further. So when we come to church and the same when you are in, in the classroom and you are taught something in the classroom, you don't understand, you probe further. People have not brought that attitude to church. And so in church, when they don't understand anything, they don't probe further because they think uh, what I've heard is enough. And, but I just want to lay this foundation so that all of us will open our hearts and get ready for the, the teaching of God's word and let us follow it contextually, patiently, and carefully. We follow it contextually, patiently, and carefully. If you're not following me through, you may get to a place and get lost because um, by the grace of God, going to do a contextual exegesis or a contextual explanation. So when you miss me along the way, you may misquote or misinterpret some of the things I am going to say. The Bible actually is a contextual material. And so you don't just uh, cherry pick verses and run with it. That is the reason for false teaching and false doctrine today. You must build the doctrine precept upon precept, line upon line. Here a little, there a little. Hallelujah. And that's what we're going to do tonight. And it shall be a blessing. So we do that today, tomorrow. Then maybe Friday night we can open fire and minister to some people and pray them all. Amen. Then we climax it on the Sunday. Are you ready for what is about to happen, please? Are you ready? Put them together for the Lord. I've been giving my time. I know I'm supposed to end at 7.50. Yes, so if you're not able to finish, you continue tomorrow because I'm here today, tomorrow, and the next, and then also on, on Sunday. Now, we are dealing with be ye holy. Be ye holy. That is the thing we are dealing with. And that is the corporate theme of Assemblies of God, Ghana. Be ye holy. So, I will love it if you are writing. You can write, be ye holy. Be ye holy. Be ye holy. Even if you don't have a notebook, you know, now we, we all use smartphones. So, as somebody who is interested in knowledge and wants to learn and be educated by the word of God, uh, you should learn to write. So, maybe somewhere on your phone, you can just find a place to write. Very, very important. Be ye holy. Now, what... Just by looking at the term, be ye holy, uh, it communicates something to us. Be ye holy. It says, be ye holy. So, when we hear the words, be ye holy, we want to find out about who said it. Who said it. Two, what is the authority behind it? What is the authority behind it? Number three, what is the reason for it? 
Number one, who made the statement? Number one. Number two, we are dealing with the statement, be ye holy. Who made the statement? Number two. What is the authority behind the statement? Number three. What is the reason for the statement? Now, who made the statement? The reason for the statement and the authority behind the statement will all be found in the context of the text. You are not allowed to bring your nuances into scripture or to bring your own uh, ideologies into the scripture. So with, so with the Bible, there is nothing like, I think that. There is nothing like, I think that. Uh, there is nothing like, I think that. There is nothing like that. Though we use it, especially when we're doing uh, Bible studies and we want to sort for solicit for ideas. Uh, but that is a way to help the other person learn. So that when he doesn't get it right, you correct him. Uh, but what you will say is not scripture. When we are reading Bible, your, your opinions does not matter. When we are reading the word of God, your opinions doesn't matter because you have not written Bible. You are not around when they wrote. You, you don't have apostolic authority to write. And so your opinions are not needed. And so we want the opinion of the writer. But the writer is not here for us to ask him. So by asking the writer, we ask his test. By asking the writer, we ask the context of his test. So we question the test to question the author. We question the test of the Bible to question the one who wrote it. Please, are, are, we, are we here? Great. All right. So um, you, you want to find out all of this, all, get all of these answers by looking at the very test. Then you fetch out all of these answers. Now, especially, uh, we are what we call the epistles. You know, we have Mark, Luke in the New Testament. We have Mark, Luke, John. These are gospels. They record the life of Jesus when he lived on the earth. Then you cross over to Romans. From Romans to Revelation is called the epistles. Please say epistles. Good. Thank you very much. We call it epistles. The epistles were letters the apostles wrote by the apostolic authority to the churches they founded. So the epistles um, and, um, are the, the doctrinal material uh, or the apostolic document or curriculum given to the believer to be educated for spiritual growth. So from Romans to Revelation, these are the books of the epistles. And we have uh, one of the apostles that worked with Christ. His name is Peter. So Brother Peter gave us the epistle of First Peter and Second Peter. If you are not a, an apostle of Jesus Christ and you come around, your material will be discredited. Ah, that was one of the, uh, the, the ways that helped them to come out with the canon of the scriptures. Uh, the canonization of the scripture means that they gathered together the scriptures that, are, uh, uh, that met the, the certain standard or certain criteria uh, and are uh, qualified to be read and to be used as scripture. Certain books didn't qualify to be read or used as scripture. So those books were discarded. So if you're not an apostle of Jesus Christ or you, if you have not quoted from the Old Testament material, we don't know where you are coming from. It's either you quote from the Old Testament material or you quote from Christ. So you are either quoting from Isaiah or from Moses or from Jeremiah or from the other prophets or you are quoting from Christ himself before we can accept your material. Else anybody will just wake up any day and say, I have seen the Lord. So we, 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 we don't just listen to anybody like that. So Apostle Peter was the one who wrote the statement we are about to read. Please, are you following? This is a very important. They will give a very good foundation. Apostle Peter was the one who followed, uh, who wrote the statement we are about to read. Because a lot of people are discrediting the Bible nowadays. So they want to ask, what is the authority behind it? Why must you believe Peter? Because Peter was schooled by Christ. Uh, we believe Peter because he was schooled by Christ. We can trust his word because he was schooled by Christ. 
Even with Brother Paul, who came later on, who didn't see Jesus, Jesus appeared to him. And what Jesus told him was consistent with what Peter said. Peter had seen Jesus. So what Jesus told Peter was consistent with what Brother Paul said. So we can also trust in the letters of Brother Paul. Amen. Now, so the word, the words be ye holy were written by the, uh, the, uh, the apostle Brother Peter. And we can believe and trust in the things he wrote. So now, let, without much ado, let us go to 1 Peter. 1 Peter. 1 Peter, first chapter 14, verse. 1 Peter, first chapter 14, verse. 1 Peter, first chapter 14, verse. You. I'm watching my time. 1 Peter, first chapter 14, verse. It says, As obedient children, do not conform. Please, can we all read together, please? Why don't you go, please? As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. You. Verse 15, please, let's all read together. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Verse 16. For it is written, be ye holy because I am holy. Verse 17. Since you call on the Father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. Verse 18. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Verse 19, the very last verse. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Hallelujah. Say, I have been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. Now let us look at, I want us to do a contextual exegesis. So let us look at verse 14. It says, as obedient children, do not conform. Do not conform. Do not conform. As obedient children, do not conform. So, we see the apostle giving an instruction. So, this is an apostolic instruction. Your opinions are not needed. You are expected not to conform. If you belong to the body of Christ, this is an instruction. It's a bidding. Huh? It's a bidding. It is not, uh, it is not open up for debate. It is not something you can think about. Uh, the, the Brother Peter is using his apostolic authority to give us an instruction consistent with the ways of Christ. So he says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So Peter is telling you that there was a time you were living in ignorance. That time you had certain desires, but your desires were evil. You had certain desires, but your desires were evil. Now, Peter is dealing with desires. Say desires. Say desires. Good. He says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So, there was a time the people were living in ignorance. Now, you see, he uses a past tense. He says, lived, lived, lived. That means that the time he's talking about or the time he's making reference to was the time when they were not born again. So you and I, at the time you were not born again, you were not schooled in the knowledge of Christ. So we were living in ignorance. And because we were living in ignorance, the ignorance gave birth to certain desires that were evil. 
Our ignorance resulted in certain evil desires at the time. So that means that at the time of ignorance, you were disobedient children. At the time of ignorance, you were disobedient children. So in the, uh, the, the word disobedient children is used in the New Testament to refer to those who have not known the Lord or those who have not been born again. And obedient children refers to those who have believed the gospel or received the gospel. So it says, as obedient children, that means, in other words, now that you have obeyed the gospel or now that you have received the gospel, there is work for you to do. Do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So I want to uh, make it clear to every one of us here tonight that we are not living in ignorance and we are not disobedient children we don't belong to that group we don't belong to that class we have come to faith in the son of god we have obeyed the gospel but we have work to do we have a responsibility to carry out there is an instruction for us to do the instruction says do not conform tell somebody do not conform and say i will not conform now that that stands to reason even after you are born again, even after you are born again and you are made a new creation and you are made, you have been regenerated or you have been reborn or you have, been, you have received a new birth. Even after you are born again, there is the tendency to fall for those evil desires you used to do before. Ah, so born again doesn't mean that all of those desires have died. Born again doesn't mean all of those desires have died. Born again actually means that the nature you used to carry out those desires has died. You have been given a new life. The nature you used to carry out those desires have died. You have been given a new life. So this new nature you have or this new life you have also has got new set of desires. So from this new nature, you can bring new set of desires. Please, are we here? And so, because of your new nature, do not conform to the evil desires you had in the past when you lived in ignorance. So, that is an instruction from the apostle. That stands to reason that the onus is on the believer or the believer has a responsibility to either conform or not to conform. The believer has a choice to either conform or not to conform. So, please hear me out. In the New Testament, sin is a choice. In the New Testament, sin is a choice. Sin is a willful action. So, anybody that sins and says, I didn't know, I didn't know, it took me. Nothing takes anybody. Sin is a choice. You decide to sin. You decide not to sin. And that is why when God is giving instructions, he, go, he just goes straight to the point. Don't do this because the ability not to do is in you. The ability to say no is in you. And the ability to say yes is in you. So sin is a choice, and righteous living is also a choice. So choose tonight. Say, say I choose righteousness. Good. Now we are getting school tonight. It's very important that you follow me. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So at the time of ignorance, you didn't know a lot of things. The Bible actually says in the book of Acts, chapter 17, it says, I really love that scripture. He said, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all men to repent. 
Another version says that the time of ignorance God winked at. Like the way a cat will wink at something. God winked at it. There used to be a time where you were in ignorance. So God allowed certain things. But now, he commands all men to repent. Please are we here? Uh-huh. So now you are no longer in ignorance. You've been to church. We have taught you God's word. You've been schooled. Uh-huh. You have received the knowledge of God's word. So you cannot decide to live your life anyhow. We were not saved to live our lives anyhow. No, it's not like that. Uh, it's not like that. We were not saved to live our lives anyhow. So maybe uh, by Friday, I will touch on grace and I will explain it contextually because some people are preaching grace as though it's a license to sin. Grace is not a license to sin. Grace is actually a license to overcome sin. Uh, it's a license to overcome sin. So you don't take advantage of grace to go and sin. So the freedom we have in Christ is not freedom as in freedom. Uh, it's not freedom as in, as in freedom. Uh, you see, so you, you, you yeah. for example, when, when Brother Paul said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That, when you see all things in the Bible, it doesn't mean all. All in the Bible doesn't mean all. All means all in context. All doesn't mean all as in all. All means all in the context. So the things he's dealing with in the context are the all. When I say go to the market and buy, uh, I mentioned uh, uh, a list of vegetables and I say bring all home. I'm not saying bring the whole market tomorrow, everything in the market tomorrow. I'm dealing with the context. Even in that context, Brother Paul was talking about when he's hungry and when he has food. And so in, that, in the stricter sense of the context, he's saying that when he doesn't have money, he knows how to survive because of Christ. And when he has money, he also knows how to survive because of Christ. That is the context of that scripture. You can't drive an aeroplane. I don't trust you. So when you have a Christian who takes that scripture out of context and quotes it, if I, if, I, if I want to move from one place to another, you have not, you have not driven a car before. You have not driven, driven let's say, I'm, I'm, I want to fly, so I'm taking a flight. Uh, and I see a Christian brother, Holy Ghost filled, with the anointing and the power of God upon his life. Then I see a well-trained pilot, who is an unbeliever, speaks how that. I'll go for the well-trained pilot. Because I don't want to endanger my life in the hands of an anointed Christian who will take me nowhere. So, so there are certain things you cannot do. You can't drive an aeroplane until, unless you learn. And so, all is not all. Uh, so you don't quote the scripture out of context. Praise the Lord. Huh. So, the, the liberty we have in Christ is not liberty to do all things. No, you are not, as, you are not supposed to be doing all things. You cannot be doing all things. Uh, when, when you look at Jesus, there are many times he rebuked the disciples. Uh, so, there is restric- it, it, it is freedom with restriction. Uh, I don't know how to explain that. It is, it is freedom with restriction. There is a limit to the freedom. Uh, it is freedom in Christ, not freedom everywhere. Please, I hope you are following. Please, I hope you are following. All right, thank you. I have about 20 minutes, but you'll do something. Amen, you'll get something. So it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Did when you lived in ignorance. So there was a time you lived in ignorance. So like I said, the Christian has that responsibility, either to conform or not to conform. So it is up to you, it's not up to God. What was up to God was for salvation. What was up to God alone to do was for salvation. So God saved you all by himself. After saving you, there are instructions he gives you and it is not up to God to do. It is up to you to do. And when you do it, it is for your own good. When you do it, it is for your own good. Hallelujah. So, the Christian has a responsibility. God is responsible for your salvation. But then, after salvation, you have a, respo- you have a responsibility to live the kind of life God wants you to live. Please, are we getting blessed? Good. 
Now, in this context, he tells us the reason why he gives us the instruction in verse 14. Verse 15 is the reason for the instruction in verse 14. Verse 15 is the reason for the instruction in verse 14. Now he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. That means that those evil desires we had in the past, they were unholy desires. Unholy desires. Those evil desires we had in the past, they were unholy desires. So that means that the apostle refers to unholiness as evil. The apostle refers to unholiness as evil. Evil to the apostle is unholiness. Impurity to the apostle is, is evil. It's evil. So he says, those evil desires, which are unholy desires we had when we were not born again or when we lived in ignorance, these desires were evil. But now, now that we have been born again, the one who called us is holy. So we must be holy. The one who called us is holy. So we must be holy. So somebody say, I must be holy. Someone say, I must be holy. Good. Now let's look at Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Verse 2, actually, because of time. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, actually. Good. Okay. Verse 5. Let me read from here. Romans chapter 12, verse number 2. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. Huh. Now, this one is coming from Dada Paul. The one you read was coming from Dada Peter. You see, the one we read was coming from Brother Peter. This one is coming from Brother Paul. So you can see consistency in apostolic education. Consistency in the things they say. So we can trust Peter and trust Paul. Because they have one spirit. Yeah. So it's a, so this is sound doctrine. This is sound doctrine. Sound because it's, it has consistency. Yeah. So it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Huh. So that means that what Brother Peter calls evil desires in ignorance. What Brother Peter calls evil desires in ignorance, Brother Paul calls the pattern of this world. What Brother Peter calls evil desires in ignorance, Brother Paul calls the pattern of this world. The ways of this world. The lifestyle of this world. The desires of this world. So it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So according to the test, how does a man get transformed? The man is not supposed to conform, but he's supposed to transform. You are not supposed to conform, but you are supposed to be transformed. How does a man get conformed according to the test? By what? The renewing of the mind. Huh. So you didn't write the test. So when you have answers, ask the author. Question is test. Don't bring your mind into it. So you get transformed by the renewing of your mind. Whose mind? Your own mind. That means you easily get transformed by changing your mind. Changing what is in your mind. And it's in your power to do. That is why sin is a choice. It's in your power to do. The word transform there is metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Ah, you see, metamorphosis. There are, there are, there are uh, insects that go through metamorphosis, like the butterfly. 
Those are metamorphoses. Uh, and at the final stage, we have the full bloom butterfly. Fully colored and it's beautiful. Uh, that from the sky, it is a lava, a pupa, blah, blah, and so on. I've forgotten my sign, forgive me. <laughs> but then, that, that word in the Greek is metamorphu in the Greek. Metamorphu. Uh, transform. It is from there we got metamorphosis. So the way the butterfly from a pupa stage changes itself from one level to one. So it takes time. It doesn't become a butterfly one day. So that is the reason why we must give people time. And we are not condoning with sin, but we give people time after they get born again. Uh, because they cannot stop everything outright. We must give them time to metamorphose. But some people too have taken advantage. They have been in church for a very long time. We have been preaching them. Yet they have not, they have not since metamorphosed. <laughs> they have not since metamorphosed. So for a very long time, they are still at pupa stage. And so it, it, it takes time. It is not the, the same way you stop. You stop setting habits. You see, it's a habit. For some people, certain things have become a habit. It's called besetting sin. It's not every sin that besets you. There are certain things you, you can never commit. There are certain things you, I can never commit. Because actually, actually, you see, Brother, Paul, Brother Peter said, you had those evil desires when you were in ignorance. That means that ignorance or the lack of it influences desire. Ignorance or the lack of it influences desire. It was because you were ignorant that you acted that way. When you are knowledgeable to you, act in a certain way. Right now, when you ask me what brand of car do I like? There's a, there's a certain brand of car I will not be able to say that I like. I cannot have a liking for what I don't know. I cannot have a liking for what I know. So it is what I know that influences my liking and dislike. How are we following? Huh? So there are certain things you, you don't even know to commit. They are high for you. You don't even know. Have, it, it, it's not coming. You don't even know. You have not seen it. And so you can't commit it because it's not in your dictionary. Are we here? The ones you know, the ones you know are the ones you may, you may fall to. Uh, it's called besetting sin. Uh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There are some people naturally don't like alcohol. You never see them drink alcohol. They don't need prayer to stop drinking alcohol. They don't need prayer. Uh, they, I, don't, I just don't like alcohol. They don't need prayer. I, don't, I just don't like sleeping around. Uh, I'm, I'm faithful to my wife. There are people like that. It, 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 it's just there. Because of the way they were raised. So your ignorance or your knowledge is important. That means if we are going to not conform, what do we need? Knowledge. If we are going to not conform, what do we need? Knowledge. Where do we get that knowledge? From the word of God. So do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew your mind? With the word of God. Put your hands together for Jesus. So that explains why you may see a believer who's acting beside himself. He's acting beside himself. Paralogizomai. That's the Greek. You are acting beside yourself. Ha. That means he's acting be beside his nature, his true identity. There is identity crisis. He's a Christian, yet he's living like an unbeliever. You see, so you may, you may, you may be in doubt about his salvation. You see, but some of them actually, they are truly born again. On, on their inside, they have the nature of God on their inside. But their mind is not renewed. So their minds cannot sync with their nature to produce the fruit of the spirit. Uh, because to bear, you, you see, to, to bear means to show, let it show, let it show. So when the Bible says put on Christ, it doesn't mean Christ is not inside you. When it says put on Christ, it's using a figure of speech. Uh, when you put on your clothes, people see. 
The one you have not put on, you have no seed. So when you say put on Christ, you are not now going to bring Christ. He's already inside of you. But it's a communication. Put on Christ means I let the life of Christ in you be seen. Be seen. Huh. So, and, and, and it is the bearing of the fruit of the spirit. The spirit is inside you. And these fruits are inside you. But bear them for men to see. So there are those who are truly born again. The Holy Ghost is in them. But they are not bearing the fruit. Because the problem is in the mind. It's a conscience problem. It's a mind problem. And it's because of the lack of knowledge. Or the presence of knowledge. Probably they were schooled with a certain kind of knowledge. But it's not from the Bible. So what you hear. The things you hear. Inform the decisions you take. So the things you know. The amount of knowledge you have. The amount of knowledge you have, it, it determines the sins you commit and the sins you don't commit. The amount of knowledge you have determines the sins you commit and the ones you don't commit. And the amount of ignorance you have determines the sins you commit and what you don't commit. So it is better to be more ignorant where sin is concerned. So Brother Paul in his doctrine said, as concerning malice be children, but in understanding be men. Amen. Please hear it. Are you getting blessed? Yeah. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So after you have renewed your mind, you'll be able to tell what is the will of God. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That means that the, the life we will live by our transformation is due to God. It pleases him, and it is in his perfect will. Hallelujah. So we see that Brother Paul is consistent with Brother Peter. Brother Paul is consistent with Brother Peter. Now you remember, Brother Peter in the 15th verse said, be holy just as the one who called you is holy. You remember? You remember? Good. Now let's also go to Brother Peter. Let me show you, the, Brother Paul, let me show you the consistency between their languages. Let's go to First Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. You'll become a pastor one day. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 1. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9, please. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 9. No latter karada can you watch my time? I'm less than 20 minutes, but you do something. The understanding is very important, so I don't have to rush. Good. Uh-huh. He has saved us. So the question is, who has saved us? You don't answer with your mind. You go back to the test. So let's go to verse 8. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of who? Good. All right. So you read the God into verse 9. All right. So God has saved us. So he, the, he is a pronoun for God. So God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Hallelujah. Very simple. God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Uh, that is brother Paul. God has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So Brother Paul also says that God has saved us and called us to a holy life. So the salvation is the calling in the context of the test. So the calling we are talking about here, it is not the calling of a pastor. We are not talking about the calling into the fivefold ministries as an apostle, a prophet evangelist or a pastor. The salvation itself is a, is a calling. So we call it, we are the church, ecclesia. It means called out once. So when you got born again, God called you from the world to stand out of the world, to be set apart from the world so you can live a holy life. God has set you apart from the world so that you can live a holy life which is set apart from the world. 
Uh, so the one who called you, called us into where? The one who called us into Christ. Uh, so salvation is a calling. God called us into Christ. God called us to come into Christ. How did he call us? He called us through the gospel. He called us through the gospel. So when we heard the teaching of the gospel, or the preaching of the gospel, and we believed in the details, uh, the details of the message makes it gospel or not gospel. The details of the message makes it gospel or not gospel. I'm writing my second book, and uh, uh, the title is Another Which Is Not Another. Another Which Is Not Another. Because somebody can come to you with the gospel, uh, and it looks like the gospel, but it is another message. So it is another message which is not really another because it's not the gospel. And so you don't have another gospel. But somebody brings you a gospel, you look at the details of the message. If it's not tied to the, to the person of Christ and his death and resurrection, it's another message. If it's not tied to the person of Christ, his death and his resurrection, it's another message. So you don't take that one. So when we heard the message and paid attention to the details and we believed in the gospel and received it, God called us into Christ. Now that he has called us into Christ, Brother Peter says that the one who addressed us, the one who called us into Christ is holy. We should be holy in all we do. Then, Brother Paul is telling us, he has saved us and called us to which kind of life? A holy life. So, are they saying the same thing? So, God saved us and called us to a holy life, but not because of anything we have done. So, we were not saved because of anything we have done. But after salvation, there are things for us to do. We were not saved by things we did, but after salvation, there are things for us to do. How that, that one is clear. Yes. So there is responsibility after salvation, though it is grace. Amen. All right. Good. So now, he has called us to a holy life. A holy life. The, the, the Hebrew word is Hodesh. Hodesh. That's the Hebrew for holy, Hodesh. And the Greek word is hagios, or you can say hagios. Uh, all of us, our Greek is not very pure Greek. It's anglicized. And so uh, the, 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 the proper Greek Christians will not speak that way. So uh, the Hebrew is kodesh. The uh, Greek is hagios or hagios. And so the scriptures, the, the holy scriptures are hagios grammar. Holy scriptures, hagios grammar. So hagios or hagios. It means to be set apart. To be consecrated. It means uh, uh, to be sanctified. To be sanctified. To be sanctified. Consecrated or to be set apart. Amen. So God has called us to live. So God has called us to live a holy life means that God has called us to live a consecrated life. Or God has called us to live a life apart from the world. Or God has called us to live a life in, in uh, a sanctified life. Hallelujah. Oh, praise the Lord. Are we here? I've less than 15 minutes, so just follow me, okay? But I want us to learn and write some good things. Remember when I come, I will ask you, please. All right. So, we have seen, now in, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, uh, let's go back to First Peter. Let's go back to First Peter. So, we look at verse 16, 15 and 16, let them go 15. Oh, my time's up already. Verse 15. But just as he who called you is holy, so you should be holy in all you do. So, 
just as he who called you is holy, you should be holy in all you do. After you have been called to live a holy life, so after you have been called into Christ, you are expected to be holy in all you do. So the holiness is in activities. The holiness is in activities. Uh, the holiness is in a, a context of doing. The holiness is in a context of doing activities. So be holy in all you do. But it wasn't exactly so in the Old Testament. Let me explain the, the difference between the New and the Old Testament then we go. Then let me just use five minutes. We'll continue tomorrow. Amen. When you look at the Old Testament, now look at the 16. Let me show you something from there. Look at the 16. For it is written, be holy because I am what? Good. So you can see the, the words be holy because I am holy. You can see they are in uh, their equitation. Uh, the words be holy because I am holy. It's in quotation marks. That means that brother, brother Peter is quoting from somewhere. Uh, brother Peter is teaching what he's teaching from somewhere. He's referencing another book. So in the New Testament, when you see them referencing another book, they are referencing the Old Testament. They are referencing the Old Testament. That means that in their time, they didn't have all the um, 66 you have. Uh, in their time, they had 39 scrolls. 39. Uh, 39. So their Bible was the Old Testament. So when Jesus came, he read the Old Testament Bible. Uh, so Jesus never quoted any New Testament. He actually, what he said became New Testament. Like you, you always quoted Moses. So you say, did you not read that Moses had said? Did you not read that Isaiah had said? So their Bible was the Old Testament. It is today that our Bible is both the old and the new. So anytime they were teaching, they, they referred to already written material that cannot be changed. So today when any man of God is teaching, you don't teach from your mind. It is not allowed. It's not allowed. When you are called as a, as a preacher, as a man of God, you are not called to come with your own You don't have a message. You have, a, a Bible is given to you to preach from. It's like you have gone to school and they, you are a teacher and they give you the syllabus. There's a curriculum built for you. You don't decide what to teach. And so you teach systematically and consistently. And so you, any man of God today that is teaching and preaching must teach or preach from an already inspired written material. An already inspired written material, which are the books of the Bible, what we have as the old and the new. When any man of God preaches from anywhere, discard it. And now people are teaching all kinds of things. Now people are preaching, preaching for six and seven books of Moses. When Jesus came, he never made mention of six and seven books of Moses. But when Jesus came, he made mention of Genesis. He made mention of Exodus. He made mention of Leviticus. He made mention of Isaiah. So you can read Isaiah. That means Jesus authenticated Isaiah. Yeah. Jesus authenticated Isaiah. So we can read Isaiah. We can read Jeremiah. We can read, we, we can read Moses, the books Moses wrote. He never said anything from six and seven, seven books of Moses. They are never quoted Maccabees. Never quoted Maccabees. And so any message that comes from anywhere that sounds, when, when we say something, when we say teach sound doctrine, when we say the doctrine is sound, sound doctrine is not the teaching that sounds well in your ears. No. The word sound, of that, that, the sound is, is a technical sound. It's a Bible contextual language. Sound doctrine means a, a, a teaching of the Bible that is consistent throughout. That sound is consistent throughout. It's wholesome doctrine. But it's not a doctrine that sounds nice in your ears. Or, or any message that sounds like Christ will have said. 
Because there are certain messages, it's subtle. It sounds like something Jesus will say. It makes sense. Uh, But doctrine is not what makes sense. Doctrine is what Jesus and the apostles taught that is consistent. So no matter how it sounds and how it looks like, it may not be doctrine. Amen. Uh, So here we see Brother Amdan, we see Brother um, Peter quoting from an already even Jesus Christ himself, when he came, most of the things he said, he quoted from uh, an already written inspired material. Uh-huh. Now, they wouldn't have accepted his ministry because they don't know him. They know Moses. The people of Israel, there are two things when you touch that they will have an issue with you. You don't touch Moses. You don't touch their temple. When you touch Moses, they'll be angry with you. Because Moses is their man. He's the big guy in Israel. When you touch their temple, they'll come after you. So when Jesus said, I'll, 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 break, I'll destroy the temple and I'll build it up in where it had been three days, they were angry at him. Uh, because he was touching untouchables, Jewish untouchables. But then he quoted from the book, only that they didn't understand the things he said. So we see Brother Peter quoting from Old Testament. And so tomorrow, I will take you to the Old Testament from where Peter read to quote from. So now we know Peter read that place. It's in Leviticus. So now we know Peter read Leviticus. So the books they read are books we can also read today. They authenticated the reading of those books. But they never read any book like Sirach, Judith, Maccabees. They never read, read any books like that. But the books they read, we also read. Because they authenticated those books for us. So you quote them from Leviticus, and tomorrow I will show you. But the little bit difference is that in the Old Testament, um, the God they were serving was outside. So God visited them with his holy presence from time to time. But in the New Testament, the God we are serving, or the God we come to, has already come to us. In the New Testament, the God we come to has already come to us. Are you following? Good. Now, in the Old Testament, when God visited them and he came with his presence, the holiness is in the presence. So when God, let's do this last scripture, please permit me. Exodus, last one, last one, Exodus. Exodus. Exodus chapter 3. Verse number, because of time, verse number 4, that's all. That's the last scripture. Have you been blessed? So, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. God called to him from within the bush. His presence had come upon the bush. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Then, let's look at what God said. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is what? Holy ground. Did the ground do anything for, for it to become holy? Can the ground speak? So the ground didn't do anything for it to become holy. I want to show you a, a little difference. How did the ground become holy? The ground only became holy. The ground is, is, uh, is, 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 is not animate. But the ground became holy just because the presence of the Holy God came upon it. Uh, the presence of the Holy God came upon it. So anything God used was sacred. So even in the tabernacle, the, the, the instrument God used or the, the, the ceremonial Things, utensils, they used. Because of the presence of God had come upon it, it was sacred. So the rod Moses used to perform miracles, it was called the holy rod of God. The rod of God. Why? Because the presence of God came upon it. That means that even from the Old Testament, when the presence of God comes upon something, it becomes holy. Then the thing must be used for a holy purpose. I hope you got it. You see, but you have to know that where it stands for. 
God's presence comes first to make the thing holy. Then the thing can be used for holy purposes. So in the New Testament, God has come into our heart, making us holy in our spirit or inside so we can bear out the fruit of the spirit and reveal our nature as holy people. Have you been blessed? Good. So I thank God for the understanding we have received. I think it's great uh, with this understanding. We can do much more tomorrow. Thank you for your audience. God bless you.